0: Well, hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the What Are You Creating podcast. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft and in today's conversation, yet another amazing human being who is very intentional about what he wants to create in life. Today, I'm talking with my great friend, Jake Lang. And if you currently have a day job that doesn't seem like it's what you're supposed to do for the rest of your life, and you've had a desire to create some opportunity for you to become full-time, self-employed, and maybe even generate passive income. Today, the title of the conversation that I had with my friend Jake Ling was originally hosted on Clubhouse. And we titled the room, Building a Passive Income Business. Now, I think you're going to be super inspired by this conversation. And there's one thing I want to have you listen to. I want to have you listen to all of the areas in Jake's story where you might have been tempted to give up. And if you want to know what causes somebody like Jake Lang to be able to successfully build multiple streams of revenue, have some significant passive revenue, and to be able to make the big leap away from the day job and have confidence that I can get married, buy a house, have a child on the way, and have not only that but the anticipation of full-time self-employment in your first year, having six months off, well, you'll hear how he describes six months off, but still, imagine taking six months off in your first year of full-time self-employment. Oh my goodness, this is an inspirational story, and if there's one thing you're gonna need to listen to and be on the lookout for is the idea that what it takes to succeed is to understand that there is no such thing as failure. There is only Things that you do that lead to results, and the question is, is can you not judge that as success? Can you not judge that as failure? Can you just see it for what it is? Learn, grow, and move forward with what you've learned, and keep moving towards that vision of what you want to create. That's what this is all about. What are you creating? Here it is, my conversation with Jake Lang. Jake, how long ago did you and I first connect? Ooh,
1: at least five years ago, probably around the time when you first launched the Next Level Mastermind. I had followed you for a while before that, but that's when we first got connected on a one-on-one level.
0: When I first met you, you already had a successful online business that was kind of like a side hustle. It was generating a significant amount of revenue... But you still had a day job at an insurance business. Tell us a little bit about your day job at the time. Yeah,
1: sure. So I was working as a product analyst in the insurance industry, which basically just means I was in Excel all day long, building reports and analyzing how we're making money, if we're making money, and and what we need to change new uh, insurance products that you can release to, to make more money. And Typical nine to five job, just uh, commute into, I was working in Boston at the time, um, kind of your typical finance related
0: desk job is, is what I was doing. How many years were you doing that? I had started in
1: 2014. And as soon as I graduated college, I just kind of stumbled into that industry because I studied finance. wasn't really what I wanted to do, but somebody hired me and paid me good money. So I was working in the insurance industry
0: graduated college, went straight into something related to what your study was. It paid the bills. When did you first had the idea of building an online business?
1: So I actually attempted to build online businesses before I started working in the insurance industry. I just didn't know what I was doing, so they didn't work. So my first website I ever attempted was 2013, maybe early 2014. It was when I first put a website online. And uh, that's actually when I found Pat Flynn and you and Amy Porterfield. And podcasting was relatively new at that time. And I, I found you guys all through podcasting. And you are the ones that introduced me to the online business world.
0: 2013, were you still in college then? Or were you out of college and waiting before you had to go maybe get a quote unquote real job once things didn't work out with the online stuff?
1: I was in college. I was a senior at the University of New Hampshire, and I was actually working an internship as a marketing analyst and so the reason I found the online business podcast, I think the first one I found was probably Amy Porterfield, because I was looking for Facebook marketing and Google ads and the typical marketing. Um, I, I was trying to do marketing for a local IT company where I had my, my internship and I was the intern and I was the full marketing department. So I had the responsibilities of doing everything because they almost did no marketing. So, um because of that job, I started listening to podcasts in the online business space, website, and, and, and social media marketing. And that's how I came across podcasting and, and the, uh, Cliff Ravenscraft show, um, and, and uh, what was it, Podcast Answer Man back then, and, uh, and all the other online business podcasts, which introduced me to this world. And then I started my first website because I was hooked and I didn't realize until then that an entrepreneur could just be somebody that starts a website for what maybe cost $50 at the time to put a website online and pay for hosting for the year. I didn't know that's what entrepreneurship was. I thought you had to be an inventor, uh, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates type person building a computer in your garage. So that was my introduction to, wow, anybody can be an entrepreneur.
0: So you took 50 bucks, started a website, and you immediately found internet fame and success. Is this the story? Yep, oh yeah, I got rich overnight, bought my yacht (laughs) the next day. (laughs) Uh, we, for those who don't haven't picked up on it, we're totally being facetious here. What was your first website? What was the first business attempt?
1: Uh, the first attempt was a website called buydirectmailingleads.com. And it was your traditional niche site, which was some of the podcasts that I was following, what they were recommending. I had access to this platform through the University of New Hampshire where I could access I, I could basically basically download an Excel file of residential and commercial addresses for like small businesses and I could just filter it by demographic information like you know everybody over the age of 50 in Durham, New Hampshire, or like every pizza parlor within a 50 mile radius of, of such area. And my thought was, okay, I got an idea here. I can sell I can sell this list of marketing leads. To small businesses so they can send out their direct-to-mailing advertising campaigns to their specific demographic of people that they want to target. And I put in all this work, shut it down a couple of months later without making a single dollar in revenue after months of hard work because I was way off the mark in what I was doing. I did pretty much everything wrong so that business uh, didn't work because I assumed I knew what people wanted to buy. I had this great idea didn't do any validation, didn't really even do any research. I just had the idea, built this website around a business blogging, content marketing, started calling people and pitching my services, offering what I was trying to sell this product and essentially got laughed off the phone by everybody that I offered the product to because I did no research before and I didn't ask anybody if they wanted to buy what I was selling. I just assumed it started selling what I had and uh, nobody wanted it because Google was already out there offering the same service for free. They could just go in and download a whole list of addresses right from Google. They didn't need to pay me. I was trying to sell it for like five cents a lead is what I was selling at the time. So just get a big list of Excel file, big Excel file, five cents per row basically. And and, uh, nope, didn't make a single sale, learned quickly that I need to talk to my target market before I launched my business. So that, that was my first attempt at online business.
0: You figured out all of the, everything you didn't know before you had figured out in your first attempt. And then you, you had a second attempt and it was absolute success right from the get-go.
1: <laughs> and then I bought my yacht and then I <laughs> sailed off into the sunset. But nope, nope. Second time also shut down without a single dollar. I actually take that back. I made one sale, but I didn't know how to deliver what I sold. So my second business did not work either. So tell you. Me tell tell me, you? Yeah.
0: <laughs> tell us the, I want all the gory details. All right. All right. You're, you're
1: getting on. <laughs> all, all my embarrassing past moments that I had deep, deep in the this in is. The hey,
0: let me tell you something. This is the only people, this is the only way people are going to resonate with your story. It's like, okay, I, I've done some pretty crazy things in my attempts at yeah. building a business as well. So I, I think if this guy can go from where I am or where I have been recently and and succeed in the way I'm about ready to hear, maybe I can listen to this. Maybe there's hope for me yet. So tell us the gory details. What's oh, business yeah, number yeah. two? Oh,
1: no. I'm only kidding because I wrote all about it in my book too. So the details are out there. I am, I'm transparent about my failures. So it's it's there. But uh, business number two was at this time, there's probably 2014, maybe 2015. I was working in the insurance industry now. I was out of college. After my first business failed, I had some doubts and I didn't think I could this online business world was for me I thought I had failed okay I tried it's not going to work all right time to get the traditional job and climb up the corporate ladder to middle management and that's what's what's in store for me in life and uh, you know it, it also depressed me I did not enjoy that thought of thinking that I had 40 50 years at a desk and you know cranking out excel files and excel reports for my manager with the hopes that someday I'll climb up and maybe take his job and then take my boss's job and uh, you know it, depressing thought but anyways well, I was in the insurance industry, I was just starting to dress like a professional. So I was buying dress shirts and clothing and pants and, and I'm tall and I have long arms and I'm skinny. So I could never buy dress shirts off the shelf. That fit me. They either, if I wanted to buy a dress shirt that fit the length of my arms, the waist would be like three times too big. So it looked like I was wearing a, a parachute. And I, I was young. I didn't know how to tailor clothes. I didn't even know what tailoring was. Um, so I would buy all my dress shirts off off the shelf, and I'd wear those to work. And I was always looking for a way to find a better fitting dress shirt. So that was my idea for my second business. Was it, at the time like. It, I don't know if they were around, but I didn't know about them, but I'm thinking like like Indochino and the companies like that, where you can now buy made-to-measure dress shirts online. And that was the idea that I had. And I started a business called Sway Wear Clothing, which was intended to be for men, tall men, buying a dress shirt online that was tailored to your specific waist size and arm length so that you could just buy them online and not have to worry about going to a tailor. and at this time, I had read the book, The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss, and I learned all about validation and pre-selling. And He had the strategy of, before you launch your business, use Google Ads to send leads to a test website and try and sell your product before you go out there and start your business, which is what I do now with all my businesses. But That was kind of my introduction to, oh, okay, I can, I can validate my business before I dive in. I also learned from my first attempt at starting a business that you need to talk to your target market first before you sell anything. So I should say that was step one. I had this pain point. I went out and I was talking to people on social media, Reddit and Facebook groups, and I was just posting surveys out there. I was asking if people had this similar challenge or if you guys buy dress shirts, like what's your problem? Lots of people had the same problem as me where, oh, the arms don't fit. If the arms fit, the waist doesn't fit. Yeah, I can't buy anything online or in the store that fits me without a tailor. So I was like, okay, I found a pain point fitting a dress shirt. Uh, step two now, I built a quick little website because with my first website that I built, I got a little web design experience. I knew how to put together a landing page and a sales page and a couple of blog posts. So I, I did that pretty quickly in about a week got a little website up there, took some just some stock images of dress shirts and put a little sales page together. And I started running Google ads for keywords like men's dress shirt or like men's fitted dress shirt or like men's dress shirt online and started sending them to this sales page where I would then uh, validate the idea. And I actually opened the cart to accept some payments because I was in contact with somebody through Alibaba or AliExpress, one of those where I could actually order a dress shirt from somebody overseas and deliver it to this person that ordered it. It was basically a drop shipping model. I think I spent $750 in ad spend. And through that, I only got one sale. But I got one sale for like $30. Got that sale, but it was enough for me to say, okay, I I did all this work, something's off here. Maybe there's a, a, a possibility here. But when I went to order the shirt from somebody in China is where they were manufacturing and doing the tailoring. I realized that I know absolutely nothing about this market. I know nothing about fashion. I know nothing about clothing. And he started asking me all these questions about you know what what is the base and the trim and the hem and all this stuff. I didn't even know what those words were. And I'm trying to deliver a product to this person that just paid me $30 to tailor his dress shirt for him and send it to him with the perfect fitting shirt. So I had to ask him for all these specific specifications and things that he didn't know how to measure. And so I was basically just out of my league and I knew it wasn't a good fit for me. Um, so I, I, I refunded him and, and Stop that business because it was just, it wasn't really where I wanted to be. I didn't really want to start a clothing business. So that was number two. And I shut that one down, but I at least did some validation, got a sale, spent a good amount of money. But at least at that time, I was working and had money to, to pay for ad spend. And great learning lesson, but again, not the business for me. So I, I did not move forward with that one.
0: Yeah. And the great thing is, is that there are several businesses that are in existence today that do exactly what you're talking about. And with the technology, you can even kind of just take a picture of yourself and it does some measurements and, and all kinds of crazy stuff. But um, it, I, what I love, what I heard you say is like, listen, it, it I, I validated it. And, and sure, the, the thing is, I didn't know what I didn't know about the industry, I heard I have really no passion to actually go and discover what all of that stuff means and this is not the kind of business that I want to optimize. Would you agree that there was a market there and that if you were interested in building that kind of business, you probably could have you could have made something happen there. You might have been one of the earlier people to the to the market in that but The key emphasis is you discovered, this is what I love, and I see this a lot with people who are trying to find out what do I want to be when I grow up. It's kind of like, you know, you find out the right business for you by trying a lot of businesses that you learn are not the right business for you. Would you say that's accurate?
1: Yeah, absolutely. As soon as they started asking me about the clothing materials, what type of nylon I want, and the design and all that stuff, I was like, oh, I don't even care about dressing myself. Like, How can I build an entire business about dressing other people in their fashion?
0: I have absolutely no interest in anything other than just finding a shirt. Let me build a business to help people find a shirt.
1: I I mean, Brooke buys all my clothing. My, My wife buys all of my clothes right now. Everything I'm wearing right now, she bought. So it's like, even still today, I don't care that much about what I'm wearing. She she dresses me, so it wasn't the right business for me.
0: Well, let's just put it this way. Back in the day when I worked in insurance in the family business as an insurance agent, I used to also dress up, and, and of course, I I wasn't buying tailored clothes, and and I was significantly overweight back in the day. And I just looked funny no matter what. And so for me, I just left the corporate world behind and said, listen, forget this stuff. I'm just go- I, Jake and I are on Zoom as we're recording this podcast episode. This is not going to be the video is not going to be shared anywhere, but I'm literally wearing my workout shorts and my workout shirt. This is pretty much what I wear seven days a week at this point.
1: Same as me. I got my T-shirt on. I, I put on pants today. Usually I'm wearing no basketball shorts got, or something like that, but I got pants on. So uh, yeah, that's how much I care about this interview
0: that I had to dress up for. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. So business number two, less than $1,000 invested, but almost $1,000 invested mm-hmm. A significant amount of time, effort, and energy. You got some educational experience, but the return on investment was $30.
1: Yes. Yep. And that's not even counting what I would have had to pay the manufacturer to design the shirt, ship it, and it probably would have been a loss on the $30 anyway. So
0: Yeah. All right. Business idea approach number three. Third time's a
1: charm. Now, by this time, I'd learned two valuable lessons, which are big topics that I teach people now, is... Talk to your target market first and find out the pain point and validate the idea before moving forward and and pre-sell before you launch. Now, third time, I'm in the insurance industry, probably about a year and a half in now, and I'm on the lookout for another business idea. Even though I failed twice, I still can't stop myself from looking for other niche opportunities. I was studying for these exams called the CPCU exams for the, the CPCU certification in the insurance industry the employer that I was working for at the time, uh, would, would pay me. Basically they said they will pay for all my study material. They'll pay for my exams and my classes. And it's a certification that's eight exams long. So it's a big certification. If I pass it, they would give me a bonus of $5,000 and pay for me to go to Hawaii to the conferment ceremony and, um, you know, celebrate that I passed the certification. So I was like, okay, sure. You know, straight out of college, yeah, extra $5,000 and pay for me to go to Hawaii. Like, yeah, I'm on board. I will study for these exams that you that you want me to study for. I'd say it was probably two exams, in. i'd I'd passed my first two exams before I realized that it might be an opportunity to start an online business about this exam and these certifications. I was the study material was these textbooks and they were like four hundred pages long, and they were really, really boring and dry and complex. And the practice exam questions that you took for these exams did not prepare you for the actual type of exam. You would take these practice questions and then you'd sit for the real exam and you'd be totally unprepared. You just wouldn't even recognize any of the questions that you were being quizzed on when you sat for the actual exam. And the light bulb went off when I had these feelings, but I started talking to my colleagues and my, my coworkers that were also studying for these exams. We'd all been hired together. There's like a group of 20 new hires that all got hired together. And we were all talking about how awful the study material was. And that's when my light bulb went off because I saw a pain point right away that, wow, 20 people right here also hate these exams and also hate this study material. And they just want something that they can study and pass their exams in the least amount of time studying, pass their exam as quick as possible and just get their bonus and move on. So that light bulb went off. So I started a business to help people pass the CPCU exam and the CPCU certification in the insurance industry. And that business is still going strong today. It is still my most profitable business. I'm still operating that business. And I'm in fact, just this past year, started branching out into other insurance education and certifications. And I'm now selling courses for other insurance exams. I'm kind of branching out and expanding my market here. So uh, third time was a charm. That one was was profitable almost immediately and uh, still, still uh, the best performing business that I have to date.
0: Were you inspired by Pat Flynn's lead exam or or green exam academy or whatever it was that his story about that?
1: I actually didn't know about that until I had launched the website and created my first course, but that gave me the absolute validation that, okay, somebody else has done this. Like it's it's a proven model. Now I'm going to go out and write the rest of these courses. Um, I don't know why I hadn't heard of it before because I was listening to him and other podcasts, but I just remember being at the gym one day and he started talking about these lead exams and I was like, wait, I just wrote a course for, for uh, study material in my industry. Like maybe I'm onto something here. And, and if he proved, proved the model, like I should keep going with this idea. And, uh, and, and, yeah, so it's, it's basically the same concept as what he did with the lead exams.
0: What's the name of the business? If people wanted to go look at it up, look it up.
1: Yeah. AssociatePI.com stands for Associate and Personal Insurance. So, AssociatePI.com.
0: AssociatePI.com. And one of the things that I remember seeing on the site was a big, huge, gigantic guarantee badge. Like, you're absolutely guaranteed, hands down, you will pass your CPCU exam or all your money back. Am I, yep. am I remembering this correctly?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're spot on. That's one of my big differentiators because when I launched this business probably it was like 2015, all of there was there was the main institution that offers their study material, administers the exams. And then there was maybe two or three little guys like me that were selling their own study material. None of them, even the main institution, we're using, the, were using any online business marketing tactics. Nobody knew SEO. Nobody was doing email marketing. And nobody was offering guarantees. Nobody had good sales pages. All the websites looked like they were built in the early 2000s, late 90s, and just had never been updated. So I came in as the guy with an online course and I put all the study material online. Everybody else was like PDFs that you had to print or textbooks or DVDs. And I came in and said, hey, everything's going to be online, online course. I'm going to give you a free practice exam. I'm going to give you a bunch of my free tips through email. I'm going to blog and tell you all the behind the scenes information that you need to know about these exams. And that was ranking on Google through SEO. And my study material is so good that I guarantee you'll pass or your full money back. And that was kind of my big value proposition. And, and my whole purpose of my courses is with that I cut out all the fluff. So I told you that the textbooks were about 400 pages long, Well, my courses were about a hundred pages long. So I took out all the fluff material, just quick, straight to the point, here's the most important topics you need to know. The textbook takes you know, three paragraphs to explain a term, I'm going to explain it in one sentence because that's all you need to know for the exam. And I'm going to write practice exam questions that are formatted to like the actual exam so that you feel prepared when you sit for the actual exam. So all that stuff kind of combined, I, it, it took off right away and started getting sales right away. And with the guarantee, uh, still to this day, I have about a 99 to 98% pass rate on these exams because I break the content down in really simple terms and just make you focused on the important topics. And that's really what you need to pass these exams. So I still have a high pass rate. I have that money back guarantee, but I, I maybe issue one or two of them per year when people fail. So it's, it's not a big money loser for me so it's uh, it's worked out well for getting more sales
0: you say it's the most profitable business that you have even to date how much money per month is that generating for you today that just that business
1: it's been up it's bounced around like eight to ten thousand some months but I would say on average I can pretty much guarantee five to six thousand but some months are, are bigger so months it'll bump up to the eight to ten thousand range but uh, I can pretty much passive income guarantee five or six thousand per month.
0: Now, we talk about this, and I labeled this room, this conversation in Clubhouse as building a passive income business. There was a lot of time, effort, and energy put into building this. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I call it
1: passive income now, but what was it, seven, eight years ago when I was first building this, it was not passive. It was a daily, get all the content done, build these courses. But then I could set it and automate it and build in the automation funnels
0: it was a full-time job in and of itself to build this on top of your full-time job i would assume how long be, how long did it take you how many months did it take you before you had your first let's just say your online course and also your sales marketing strategy worked out for your first course mm-hmm.
1: So let's see the first course because I remember I launched the website in March and the first sale I remember was in the summer in June. So what is that? March, April, May. So three, four months. Uh, I would say March, April is probably when I launched the first course. And actually, what happened is I I made another mistake when starting this business. I I, the first course that I sold was called the API twenty eight exam. It was like the smallest exam that I could take and pass as quickly as possible. I chose that one first because it was, a, it was a quick, simple exam that I could just crank out study material for. I took about a month to create the study material, write the practice exams and publish it. Published that one. See, March, April, I published that one and didn't sell a single one of those courses because I realized that later another tool that I now use is just using search volume, Google search volume, like Google keyword planner. I use Longtail Pro as my SEO tool. I, I was introduced to that tool. And I looked up the API 28 exam and I realized that only 20 people per month are searching on Google for the API 28 exam. And I've realized that only a couple people per month actually study for this exam after I dove in deeper and, and talked to the institution about how popular the API 28 exam is. So I was off the mark because I had validated the idea for this suite of courses and that people are studying for these exams. But this little exam that I chose to start with first, it was kind of like a, a one-off separate exam from the CPCU, was the wrong choice to start with because nobody was studying for it. There was no market for it.
0: So I thought you said you had learned all about talking to your your target audience first and that you learned to validate and pre-sell. So how did you make this mistake, Jake Lang? I'm, I'm curious. I still, I still
1: make mistakes. There's <laughs> <laughs> no stopping me. That was, I validated the entire designation, but yes. what I didn't realize that within the designation, there's individual exams and some of them are a lot more popular than others. And so that's what I did next. Is I launched this API 28 exam in April, didn't sell any of them quickly realized I was off the mark again. I had to learn to search volume this time. And I found the other most popular exam, which there's about 500 people per month searching for this one on Google. And I know that there's a. it's the first exam, the CPCU 500, the first that you need to pass in the series of eight exams to pass the CPCU. So just by logic, it's the most popular because it's where everybody starts. So I wrote that one next, published it in June. And within a week or two, I had my first sale. And by the end of that month, I had $600 in revenue of course sales from selling the CPCU 500 course, because I finally figured it out that I found the pain point. I had the the value proposition and the the marketing funnel set up, and I found the course that people want to study for, and I finally got that first sale, and that was my first real dollar of revenue in terms of online business.
0: What I know from about your journey and what I'll explain to folks is that you... You figured out the marketing of this thing. You got it up and running. You created the study materials for other courses. You uh, were obviously very strategic about collecting people's email addresses. You were marketing the other courses as you were releasing them to those who took the exam prep for previous courses and did a lot of cross selling to to people who were already very familiar with the value or with the uh, quality of your Mm -hmm. materials. And also not to mention the fact that you also gave, you had a marketing strategy where you gave away some stuff to give people a a feel for the quality of what you do before making the purchase as well. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're spot on that. I did uh, two types of that. First, my number one action that I want people to take when they land on that website and anybody visits the website, you'll still see this, that, I give away a free practice exam for any of the insurance certifications through this institution. And it's just a PDF with 10 questions, answers, and some study guide information. Uh, really, really simple free download and you enter your email, uh, name and email, and you can download any of those and you join my email list. And then as soon as you get on my email list, the first thing I want you to do is sign up for a free trial of my course, which gives you the entire access to chapter one of any course that you want. So you can actually start studying the real content, take the real practice exams, and it gets you to sign up for my platform. So you have to do that information. You put in your information. So now you are enrolled in my platform. Now you're seeing how the real course looks and you can see all the other chapters, but they're locked. And if you click on one of them, it says, oh, you got to pay $300 to, to get access to the full course. So it kind of gets them first step in the door to see, oh, this content's really good. I'm going to upgrade to the full course. That's the the two steps of free content that I give away in addition to all the free blogs and podcasts and all the stuff that I put around the certification.
0: So eventually, this thing's up and running. It is starting to generate revenue. Like the work you've done in previous months is consistently generating new revenue from new clients. Over and over again, while you're still consistently creating new materials for new courses, but all of that work that was done previously is now passively generating revenue for you, which is an exciting thing. And that's where the passive revenue comes in. I want to pause there for a minute because it's been a while since you and I chatted. But when I remember first meeting you right before you joined the Next Level Mastermind, I happen to recall that you did some other businesses as well that aren't the ones that you just mentioned to me i think there were some other off-the-wall businesses or products wasn't there
1: you're you're right yeah i've done seven or eight of them now and so when i joined the next level mastermind i had associate pi that I was up and running and that was yep. my, my money banker i had this little website about a type of dog the the pomsky dog breed which is a mix between a pomeranian and a husky and i taught people how to train that type of dog do you still have and, that today don't you I don't. I actually just sold that one for Ah. $95,000 on Empire Flippers. So that was was a pretty good return for a little dog blog.
0: $95,000 for the Pomsky (laughs) dog training site. That's awesome. Uh, So so last time you and I talked, you still owned that one. And it was a nice little passive income generating thing. Let's pause on that one for just a moment. So you created a blog for training how to do this. You created what was the what did people buy what were they buying from you
1: it was primarily a membership this was there's a couple different memberships because i had two people that visited my website was people that already owned this dog and needed help with training because that was their number one biggest pain point so for them i had a membership and i actually wrote a training book that you could buy on amazon if you type in "pomsky" on amazon i'm like the first result that pops up and my book on how to train this type of dog it's got over hundred reviews and, and and doing really well. Basically, people would buy that book and then they would join my email list and then I would upsell them into a membership where you could register your Pomsky with my association. I'd give you this full suite of training material and you could join my community and talk about training your dog and ask me all your questions. That was one membership. And then there was the people that are looking to buy or adopt this type of dog. And those people could also sign up for my membership and the reason I actually started this website it was supposed to be a practice website for SEO because I had stumbled across this dog breed and at this point I knew the niche site world and I found this little niche opportunity where I could practice SEO and there wasn't a lot of people writing about it and I could just kind of hone in my skills on this site. Once I got in and started writing about it I found that there's a lot of scams that little old ladies that are trying to buy this type of dog breed they they either want a breeder or they want to adopt from a shelter. They would end up getting scammed and send hundreds, sometimes thousands of dollars to somebody on the internet through uh, Western Union wire transfer, and they would never receive their dog because other people like me, well, I, I guess not like me, the, the bad people, but that also saw the SEO opportunity were creating fake websites, the
0: alternate that, universe Jake Lang is <laughs> or- <laughs> the multiverse out there there's another another
1: one of me out there. <laughs> Uh, but but they had these fake websites where they said hey you know buy a pomsky right here. They would actually be like responsive and they'd answer emails for people that came to their website. So somebody would pay through Western Union and pay a thousand dollars. Okay, send me my dog here. It is, and then they'd be ghosted, never to be heard from again, and they just lost a thousand dollars to this scamming website. They were really easy to identify for somebody that knew about online business or even just knew about websites in general. if you go to a website and it it's got all this it, it just looked like a scam when you landed on the website. but an older generation it was it was mostly it was mostly like older women in their 70s or 80s that just want this cute little dog that looks like a mini husky didn't really understand that this could be a scam and somebody might be lying and I can't just send a, a wire transfer to somebody because they could take my money and run even if because there's no contracts or anything involved. So I got good at identifying these scams. And that's how I started this website was essentially just pointing out these scams. And I created a YouTube video saying, here's how you identify. And you can do like, I was teaching people simple things like reverse Google image search to see if this same photo is used on other websites. If so, it's probably not the dog that you're buying. It's somebody else's photo of that dog and things like that to check if there's a bunch of plagiarism on the site where they just copied text from a breeder's website. And they just took that exact dog, put it on their website with the Photo and description, and it's not really a dog for sale. So things like that, and I started teaching people that information, and that's actually how it really got started. And people started finding me as I started showing them how to find either ethical breeders or shelters that actually had this type of dog. Fast forward to the future, I turned that into a membership for people that needed my actual handholding and advice, and wanted all my resources. I have my free resources out there teaching that, but you could join my membership, and I'd actually give you a list of people and their palm skis that were available. And hey, these are the breeders that do it right. Hey, these are the shelters that actually have this type of dog. You can just contact them right through my membership and find your dog in, in five minutes. So those are the two memberships. Plus, I had an affiliate revenue stream. I had the book that I was selling. I launched an audio book. So I had a bunch of little different revenue streams here that added up to about $2,000 in passive income per month from this little dog blog.
0: And you had that business for how long?
1: That one started in probably 2016 and just sold it just a couple of months ago. So what was that? Close to five, six years.
0: It generated a couple thousand dollars a month every month for five or six years. And then you sell it for $95,000.
1: Yeah. And that was exciting to get that valuation it did really good. It was a fifty five times valuation, fifty five times monthly earning because the actual revenue, like it ended up being like around around thousand eight hundred on average over a two year period.
0: but this uh, was something you were just passively just you you weren't doing much for this whatsoever. It was making that much money without you really investing heavily into trying to do anything more than maintain what was already coming in, right?
1: Yeah. And that's one of the big reasons that I sold it was that I was doing a pretty big disservice to my community and the website because I was focused on other projects and I was maybe spending an hour or two per per, per week. On the Pomsky website, and that was really just answering emails. And honestly, half the times my emails would be overwhelmed, and I just delete them. And I was like, okay, sorry, like I can't answer all these emails. I don't have time. And I was just doing a pretty big disservice to everybody but my members that were paying. Um, I, I would, of course, you know, provide the services that they paid for. But I, I sold it to somebody else, and it was he took it over. It's his first business, his first online business he's a dog lover like me that it was nice. I got to meet him and know that it's somebody that I trusted. They're not going to take this website and turn around and start scamming people like all the people that I shut down. Like He's, he's a real guy that wanted to um, has a lot of social media experience doing it for a big corporation, wants to do it on his own now and just wanted somebody that set up the SEO and had the book. He'll go and do all the social media and take it to that next level, which I was never going to take it there because I didn't have the time. Uh, I, I was kind of know, kind of done in terms of I'd like accomplished what I started with that website. I didn't really want to invest the time to take it to that next step because I like starting new things. I wanted to focus on other projects. So I had to run its course in terms of that business and and I was moving on. So it was a good time to sell.
0: What were you using for the membership, for the community management? What were people logging into?
1: It was all through WordPress, which is something I would not do again. I was using WooCommerce subscriptions. And I was using, I think there's like a WooCommerce forums plugin. And I was using Learn Dash through WordPress to host all my videos and courses and kind of like modules like that to get their training. And it, was knowing, it what,
0: was. knowing what you know today, what would you use? Would you use Slack? Would you use Mighty Networks? Would you use Circle? What would you use today if you were creating a membership today?
1: So I I have a membership at the Entrepreneur Ride Along Community and that I am using Circle St. With Teachable because they they work together really well. And Teachable has all my courses. Circle is the community. And so that's what I landed on because I did a bit of research between Kajabi, but all my websites are already on WordPress. so It was a lot of work to switch from ConvertKit and WordPress to Kajabi, but I, I talked to their support for a while, but that was kind of my ideal choice, but it was too much effort um, uh, to just put a membership up. So I looked at Kajabi circle is where I landed with teachable.
0: So you had other business other than Pomsky when, when you, and I, when you first joined the next level mastermind, or, or you had some other ones that you had tried. So I want to hear about some of more, some of the more crazy stuff that you were doing. I, I remember an inflatable something or other.
1: <laughs> that, that was the next one. And actually one of the big reasons that I joined, the next level mastermind or i would say my first big topic that i brought to the mastermind group in my first hot seat was should i continue with this business or shut it down and the business was it was an amazon fba product selling inflatable loungers which is basically an inflatable couch you you like It it comes deflated and you open up both ends of this big, long tube and you sprint as fast as you can and fill it up with air and then tie it tight really quickly. And it makes an inflatable couch that you use for camping and the beach. And I was selling that through Amazon
0: FBA. And how successful was that? That one was not successful. (laughs) In fact,
1: I recorded a, a podcast episode about it, but it is my biggest failure as an entrepreneur in terms of money lost and, and revenue lost.
0: Really? You lost more than $70,000 on that one? Uh, or what I was lost, what was the what was the first one that you said you you invested hundred. Seven 750. So you yeah. lost more than $750 on this one.
1: I did. I lost about $16,000 on this one.
0: Oh, that's not so bad. I've lost more than $16,000. <laughs> it felt like a lot when no, I was, no, this no, was supposed I, to me, be- I get it.
1: Yeah. This, it, And I, I got kind of blinded by the dollar signs when I started doing messing around with the Amazon FBA. Because at this point, I had Pomsky and associate PI. And I saw that I just have one more product, maybe another thousand or two per month. I can quit my job and I can manage these three businesses full-time and like that would totally replace my income. And I was following Jungle Scout. Uh, Greg Mercer is the, the founder of Jungle Scout and really, I love what they do there. They are Amazon FBA experts and they, they release a bunch of uh, step-by-step tutorials. They release a new Amazon FBA product every year and they show behind the scenes how you can take this product to manufacture it overseas sell it through Amazon, and here's how much money you can make. And I saw that and how easy they made it look. And you know, it's, it's easy for them because they're experts. Um, and actually, it was really easy to follow and do the steps uh, to get it online following their, their case studies. But I got blinded by seeing that, wow, I can sell. I, I found this niche opportunity like they taught me to, kind of like I do with SEO, where I dive into the keywords. What are people searching? Where's the need in the market? What's the pain point? I found this little inflatable lounger and I was like, okay, there's a bunch of people out there selling it. They're making really good money. You can sell them for $40, $50. They cost about 10 to 20 to manufacture. Um, and I can rank on Amazon and sell these and my my differentiator, because I read all the reviews and did all the research. is gonna be mine's gonna be longer, it's gonna be a, a wider base, it's gonna hold more weight, it's gonna be more durable. Because the biggest complaints were people that are like, hey, this is really really hard to inflate or. I tried it once and I popped it, or it's just uncomfortable because it pinches you when you sit on this couch and you kind of sink into it. So those were the—that's what I worked with with my manufacturer at the time to to custom design one that would be better fitting and better more comfortable for people. Cost me more to do that was the problem, and I launched this product out there. I ended up selling 500 units of this inventory which was good. That was my first order. It was $500. At about, uh, it was about $20 per item. Uh, so I put a big chunk of cash down. I had to pay all this extra money for like professional photography, for Amazon photos, uh, just Amazon storage and selling through Amazon has its own fees. And then I was using other software programs. There's this program called Jump Send, which is basically uh, the way to rank on Amazon and get sales organically is... Sell as many products as you can as fast as possible, and get good reviews. And so this company, Jump Send, and that, that if that combination of things increases your Amazon bestseller ranking, which makes you show up higher whenever somebody types in inflatable lounger, closer you get to showing up number one and being the biggest brand out there. So I use this company called Jump Send, where you can offer discounts to people. And I was giving away extreme discounts, like fifty to eighty percent off, if you buy my lounger, and it. Get you a bunch of review, a bunch of sales really fast, and then you can send them follow up emails to say, "Hey, hope you enjoyed it. Please leave a review. Like if you liked it, leave a review." So the strategy is take a hit at first, sell a bunch of bunch of your product as quick as possible to jump up the rankings, get a bunch of reviews, and then you can coast once you hit the top of the rankings. The organic sales keep coming in and help you stick at the top ranking on Amazon for that specific product. Well, I could just never. Turn through enough orders and get enough orders to hit the top rankings. Where if I knew if I hit the top of the rankings, or even if I hit the first page and became one of the better sellers, it'd be on autopilot. It'd be a couple thousand dollars in profit every month. I would just reorder inventory. It'd be passive. And it would just be every month or two, I'd place a new order for 500 to 1,000 new units, fill in my inventory on Amazon. I don't have to do anything. I just sit back and sell this physical product. The problem was I had to spend so much to get there, to get my inventory, ship overseas, get through customs, and then I'm selling them all at a discount that I just couldn't sell enough. 500 sales wasn't even enough to crack the first page. I didn't even crack the second page. So I never got the organic rankings. I didn't get the organic sales. Ended up being a $16,000 loss in the end after all inventory expenses, plus some little profit and revenue here and there. Um, and ended up shutting it down in our Next Level Mastermind because it was something I brought to the group, talked about it over probably two hot seats before I made the de- decision to, to cut it off.
0: So there's a bunch of other stuff that you've done, uh, but I want to I go back to the CPCU exams because this is something else I remember during our time together. The associatepi.com, it, you've got a bunch of exams out there, but then all of a sudden there's some letters starting to show up in the mail.
1: Oh yeah. That that was terrifying. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that was also right around when I joined the Next Level master. Yeah. It was right
0: when you joined. Yes. I think it
1: actually happened right before joining because I remember this was another big topic. because then I received a cease and desist letter from the main institution that sells the CPCU exams and it administers the CBCU certification. And they said, uh, they basically told me I was the worst person on the face of the earth. I'm um, a criminal, I'm um, a terrible person, and I should shut down all operations and never tell anybody that I ever existed. And they just sent me this terrifying letter about how awful I was as a person and to, to cease and desist immediately.
0: Or we're taking legal action and it's going to cost you tons of money in legal defenses. It was also included in such letter, right? Mhm
1: exactly yep
0: now here's the interesting thing jake is is and I, and i imagine everybody's listening to this is picking up on this already there's something inside of you that's different than a lot of other people and that is the fact that you have all of these different things that you have tried and not succeeded at, and then all of a sudden you got the one thing and it's really successful and and then you you got the other thing, and it's somewhat successful the 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 pomsky thing for a little while there, and you go to it's like okay now I've, I've got the Midas touch I, I could figure this out, but then that thing co- turns out to be a sixteen thousand dollar loss and right around the same time you're faced with these cease and desist legal things from the one thing that is the closest to getting you to be able to leave the day job. And Mm -hmm. yet, you still have that business today. And yet, that business is still profitable. And that business is still generating significant revenue. How on earth are you able to continue to have this business when you did not cease and desist? (laughs) I'm still here. They just can't get rid of me. So, basically, you brought all of your your massive legal team from Lang and Associates to full bear on them.
1: Yep. Brought the hammer down on them. But, but it actually, I, I had a... Thank goodness they, for
0: that prepaid legal plan I had. We're totally joking, by the way. I don't think you had any legal staff on hand, did you, at the time?
1: Well, I did, actually, because Brooke was in law school at the time.
0: Oh, okay. There we go. So, okay. Oh, Fair enough. So, so basically, you, you sent Brooke over there and and, Tim, and they backed down. Is that what happened? <laughs> I wish.
1: But since she was in law school, she couldn't represent me. But uh, of course, she was going to be my first call anyways. But I called her right away. I, was, I remember walking home from work. It was like 530. I was walking to the train to take the train home and just saw this, this message pop up. And it was clearly illegal, and it, it said, "You know something, something." At the end just said cease and desist. And I was like, "Oh, that's probably not good." And it popped up on my phone as I, I was walking home. I remember opening it and just standing there in the, in the middle of the sidewalk for like fifteen minutes, just, you know, heart pounding, just being like, "Wow, are they? You know, are they sending a hitman? Is he right behind me and to take me out any minute here? Because I, because <laughs> I've infringed on their their copyright is what the issue was." I, I definitely panicked for a couple of hours. I called Brooke just a few minutes after I received that notice and you know talked to her about it and was like, hey, you know, basically what does this mean? Do I have to shut down right away? I sent her the letter. She read it and she was like, okay, here's what they are claiming. And, and this is basically what the letter said was that the the term CPCU is a trademark term. And I was not using the registered trademark symbol anywhere on my website. So they claim was that I was pretending to be them. That I was pretending to be the institute's, uh, who was the main institution selling this study material, which obviously isn't false, but they they went like as far as they could to say like that I was I was
0: well doing this maybe was, even in their from their frame of reference, their perception is that you were. They don't know who yeah. Jake Ling is. Exactly. Yeah. They, they, they do not. For don't. all they know, he's he's also got a Pomsky scam site that he's running <laughs> too. <laughs>
1: yeah. This guy, next is the Fire Festival, and I'm just scamming everybody.
0: <laughs> all right. You reach out and say, listen, I guess you negotiated with them and said, hey, how can we make this work? I'm, I'm not doing the things that you have suggested in your letter that I'm doing I am doing something in support of your Mm -hmm. organization I'm helping people with the exam this is who I am and how how did how did that go how did this work out
1: yeah so it ended up being a two-year back and forth and I did hire a lawyer right away because they gave me 14 days to cease and desist otherwise they bring legal action per Brooke's advice uh, she wasn't an attorney yet she was like go to the Boston Bar Association just find somebody that knows copyright infringement law and hire them. So I paid for an attorney uh, in the Boston area. I forget their rate was $250 or $300 per hour. So expensive. And over the course of two years, we went back and forth with the other side, ended up being $20,000 total in legal fees. Uh, But our first message back to them was basically, Hey, first of all, he's just a single guy out here that is, loves your association. He loves it so much that he's teaching people and telling people to take these exams. We basically showed them like, Hey, I'm a good guy. I'm recommending people to take these exams. I'm teaching people and helping people. Yes. You're right that he didn't know enough to trademark this term. Um, sorry about that. Like we can fix that. We'll put a disclaimer on add trademarks everywhere. And, um, they, we, we, that's how we presented it to them. Also, one of my saving greases was that when I first started out, I contacted them. I emailed them and said, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Like, is that okay? Because at the time I didn't know if it was okay to sell study material for these exams. Other people were doing it, but I emailed them and actually had a really good conversation with a bunch of people on their teams that were super friendly and we went back and forth and figured out exactly what I needed to do to, um, you know, be not an approved seller, but they basically gave me permission, written in an email, which helped out a lot, to sell the study material. And on my about us page, they gave me this one little, basically, it ended up being a disclaimer, but they gave me this paragraph of text that said hey, the institute owns these uh, these terms and this is their certification. I'm not affiliated, and they just said just put it on your about us page and you're good to go and go help people pass these exams. Well, we sent them that email right away and they were like, oh, okay. <laughs> it says right here from these people at our own organization that uh, you are allowed to sell the study material. What ended up happening is this company, the institutes, w- what we kind of figured out happened is they just hire some legal firm to go out there and you know do whatever they do. They just outsource all their legal work to these, this lawyer in Chicago. First thing she did was go out and say, hey, is anybody infringing upon your trademark or your private property? They found me the biggest reseller of the study material, and targeted me first, not, not reseller, but the biggest one selling secondary set of material. So they targeted me to basically make an example out of me. And if they could make me shut down and cease and desist because I wasn't properly using their trademark, they would then go after all the other little guys that were beneath me and shut all them down based on the, the logic of, of me shutting down. I don't think they expected me to hire a legal team and actually come back and go back and forth with them and spend $20,000 to fight this. Uh, but I did. And in the end, the only thing that I had to do was, after $20,000 and a bunch of back and forth and a bunch of crazy requests for them, like they actually told me to modify my payment processor, which is Stripe. I obviously can't modify that to within, after you type in your credit card information, add a line that would pop up and populate and say, this association is not affiliated with the institutes and then after you type in your you're like your cc number another message that pops up and said like just so you know we're still not affiliated
0: <laughs> we have not since become <laughs> affiliated since the yeah. last input <laughs>
1: And, and actually, that was the last straw where my lawyer got mad and wrote back to them. I was just like, hey, like you are just... I forget what it's called. Basically, they're bullying a smaller competitor, uh, basically misusing the legal system. And he was like, if you keep doing this, we're going to countersue you for all the money he's paying to come back to the, your crazy requests." And after that, they came back and was like, okay, just add this disclaimer in your footer and in your menu bar, add legal disclaimers that people can click that see the disclaimer, add the trademark everywhere on your website. We're done here. So it's two years of back and forth, $20,000. And that was the end of it. It was just, I forgot to put the trademark symbol or I didn't know enough to include the trademark symbol.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, the good news is that you had the twenty thousand dollars to invest in those legal fees because the site was profitable. This was a side business that was that it was basically it. You 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 invested the twenty thousand dollars, and even in those two and a half years, it was still an incredibly profitable venture for you.
1: Yeah, it was a no-brainer to do it. I, I made well over 20000 in those two years, so it uh, made sense to pay the legal fees and keep going back and forth to keep that business, which eventually allowed me to quit my job.
0: I know that you wanted to begin helping other people. That that's You wanted to coach, you wanted to teach, you wanted to help other people learn how they could build online businesses and i also knew that you wanted to be able to get to that threshold where you could lead that day job you had the you had the associate pi exam course training prep you had the pomsky thing but you still wanted something you you just had a minor gap between where you wanted to be financially for you to be able to leave the day job because you and brooke were not married at the time Mm -hmm. and it's like listen i want to get married I, I, we're probably going to be looking to buy a house. And, you know, the, the, the and the reality is, is that I, I need this income. And also I, I need to put Brooke's mind at ease about yeah. my financial stability to bring in resources. So tell us what happened next. What were some of the next steps?
1: Yeah. So next I would say around 2019, that's when I started the entrepreneur Ride And that was also when I was in the next level mastermind and we were talking about this and really is more of, I have associate PI, I have the Pomsky site. Those are profitable and great opportunities, but it's not my passion. I don't wake up in the morning, jump out of bed and say, Oh, I can't wait to talk about insurance and pass another insurance exam. And that just, it's, I couldn't get myself going enough to like be passionate about those businesses. But what I loved doing is talking to other people about online business. And I really love the beginning stages, as you can tell from this conversation of starting something new, finding that opportunity, start a new project, figure out how to make it work. And through our group and, and a lot of us were using the Prosperous Coach method of coaching, I started doing a little bit of coaching. Just I didn't even have a website going. I just started meeting people. I, I used Reddit and their entrepreneur community on there. I started meeting people, providing advice just from my years of experience starting niche online businesses. And I started booking coaching calls. Nothing paid, but I just started doing free coaching calls to figure out that, okay, I actually have something that I can help people with. Like I'm actually helping people. It's it's for free coaching connect calls. Um but but it's actually working. And that kind of sparked what I wanted to do was I could use the Entrepreneur Ride Along, which, which ended up being the, the website that I started and the business that I started to showcase what I'm doing online. And it's really my excuse to keep starting online businesses and trying new crazy things. And everything that I do now, I just get to say, oh, well, it, it's content for my website. It's content for the Entrepreneur Ride Along. And that's what I do is I try to share everything behind the scenes, including my income, like we talked about here, including these failures, including the successes, and every year, my goal is to start a new online business, and document what I'm doing and track what I'm doing, why I started it. Then eventually, I'll probably sell off these little sites. Uh, but that has turned into what started with the coaching practice. I had booked a couple of coaching clients, launched a couple of group coaching programs, wrote the book Step One, like you mentioned earlier. I launched a membership for that website, and that's going kind to of becoming my my bigger business now, my big focus. And with that the Palmsky website and associate PI. I was able to leave my job back in April of 2021. So about uh, a year ago from when we're recording this today, I left my corporate job and took on entrepreneurship full-time. And um, now this is what I get to do every day. So it's it's a lot of fun and exactly what I've been working towards for years and what I was working towards in the Next Level Mastermind. And finally all came true and I'm uh, you know, still going strong a year later. So so So,
0: so, so far, still all good. And some exciting things. Married, has a child on the way, and planning yep. to take six months off after the birth.
1: And that's what I'm excited about is, yeah, we're, we're having our first in July of 2022. Uh, yeah, bought a house in February of 2021. So basically, bought a house, quit my job. Uh, we we'd gotten married before we bought a house. So married, house, quit my job. Now we're having a baby girl, and I can't wait, Brooke has an amazing maternity policy. She gets six months off. So she's off from July to January of 2023. So because I work for myself, I said, okay, I'm also off for six months. I also have a great paternity policy. I'm, I'm taking six months.
0: I love that. I also have a great paternity <laughs> policy. Uh, my, you should, you should do seven months just to... <laughs> <laughs> One upper, yes. <yeah. laughs> That is so cool. So, let me let me just how do you envision those 6 months? I, I I'm curious cuz I for Brooke, I would imagine she's not going to need to check her emails and check in and stuff like that. She's going to be pretty much unplugged. Is that correct? Yep, correct. She's she's totally off. All right. So, what's that going to look like for Jake Lang?
1: For me, I'm envisioning only answering emails and supporting clients because I do have a membership at the Entrepreneur Ride Along and there I do a monthly training, monthly office hours, and I'm, I'm in the forums communicating, helping people and, and coaching. So I do imagine I'll do a little bit of work, not going to be a full six months off, but my vision is maybe answer emails twice a week. I'm kind of thinking, you know, Tuesday, Thursday at, at night when we're sitting there watching Netflix, I'll pull up my laptop, clear out the inbox. Um, when, when stuff comes in and we're just sitting around and, uh, playing with, uh, her name's going to be Isabella is the name that we chose. So, so Bella, when we're hanging with Bella and she's just sitting on the floor, hanging out, like I can check the forums and make sure I don't have any messages from clients and then just clear that out. So I envision a couple hours per week, just clean up work, but no new product launches, no new businesses during that time. Nothing that's going to take me away for hours at a time and try and be as much off of work
0: for six months as I possibly can. That is so awesome. Man, I am I am so excited by your journey. I want to encourage everyone who is listening to this, whether you're here live on Clubhouse or listening to this in the podcast, go over to Amazon and get the book. It's titled Step One by Jake Lang. It says, the surprisingly simple process to research, validate, and choose the perfect online business idea. I happen to be mentioned three <laughs> different times in here, so that's reason enough to go buy the book, but seriously... The book is really good because it goes – one of the things that I like about you, Jake, is that you have this technical – Approach, you know, it's like, hey, I, you go into the details and let me show you how to do keyword research. Let me tell you whether or not uh, this is a valid business idea, from whether or not it's going to get any kind of online business traction for you. And that's an area that, as you are quite aware of, it's like, listen, Cliff's the mindset guy. He he's the motivational guy. I he could sell anything in a conversation, but I am not an SEO guy. <laughs> I am not a sales and marketing funnel guy. And and one of the things that I loved about your participation in the mastermind group is just how much of that value you brought to our conversations and stuff like that.
1: Yep, That's definitely my analyst background is I got to crunch the numbers first. And and uh, yeah, that, that's what the book is all about really is these failures that I talked about and learning the process and what worked and what didn't. And now I finally figured out, okay, I can basically guarantee and validate a business before I invest any money and take that next step. So it's it's a whole process behind a couple of steps to find a bunch of ideas, narrow it down, do a little bit of keyword research and technical stuff to find out, okay, this is the best idea or the best opportunity. That's my one idea to go with. And, and like you said, you're mentioned in there, your case study is in there. So that's reason enough to go pick it up.
0: That's reason enough. Just go get it because my name's in it three times currently in April of 2022 as we are now recording this on the 14th of April in Amazon. If you're a Kindle Unlimited subscriber, you can get this book for free. Did did you know that that's available for free for Kindle Unlimited? Yeah, it's a pretty good deal. So so you can get it for free if you're that and of course I'm sure you can sign up for a free one month trial of Kindle Unlimited and then you can cancel if you want to afterwards and get this book for free. So go get Step one by Jake Lang. Also, tell us about Entrepreneurial Ride Along, the, the the website, the membership and the podcast If for anybody who's been listening to you wants to learn more from you about this stuff.
1: Yeah, of course. That's over at TheEntrepreneurRideAlong.com and The Entrepreneur Ride Along podcast, which is where this is what I talk about is starting new businesses. I talk about my adventures in online business, what's worked, what's not working, what I'm thinking about for the future of my businesses. Because I I use my portfolio of online businesses that I have as a live case study of what's going right, what's not, and where I'm directing the business in the future. The other thing is uh, constantly writing new books. I'm working on a new book, which is centered around using your day job to quit your job so a little spin-off of step one here, just focusing on a more specific topic, just like I used my insurance industry experience to uh, move forward and start a business to quit my job. So that one's coming out soon. I'm actually done the first draft now. So editing, and that should be coming live in June. The pre-sale for that one's already out there. That's at theentrepreneurrodalon.com slash job, J-O-B. And uh, that's coming soon. And also the membership is where I'm kind of directing my coaching now is I have a whole suite of courses and and community and and coaching. And rather than trying to funnel people into the right course and the right content to serve your specific need, I funnel everybody to a membership now where you can get access to every course that I've ever published. You get access to me, my community, my coaching, and that's all right in the membership where you can get everything included rather than trying to find the right course for your needs at the right time. So, So that's kind of what's going on at the Entrepreneur Ride Along.
0: And they can find this at entrepreneur ridealong.com
1: i say it's the entrepreneur RideAlong. i was gonna say
0: because i'm like i know that sometimes i even today i've been an entrepreneur since 2008 i sometimes still have a a hard time spelling it but i just went to entrepreneur ridealong.com and i got cringetopia
1: (laughs) yep i'm currently in the process of trying to buy that domain some troll out there picked up that name a while ago they've been holding it for like four years and GoDaddy's out there trying to buy it for me right now. So we'll see if that happens and I can redirect it. But that's why I, I'm the Entrepreneur Ride Along.
0: I found it. Okay, so here we go. It is the com. As I look here in my records, you joined... It was officially... February 2nd of 2018, and you were, in, when, of course, for anybody who joins the Next Level Mastermind, which is a mastermind group for full-time self-employed business owners, which, by the way, Jake was not eligible for that criteria, but thankfully, there was a stipulation that says, you can join the Next Level Mastermind if you have a day job, provided that you have a side business already that is already validated and consistently generating revenue, and you have a commitment to leaving the day job within 12 to 18 months. It's because of that that you joined. When folks join the Next Level Mastermind, it is a requirement that you make a full one-year commitment to being in the group. Now, after that commitment is up, it's up to you whether or not you want to renew, and you stayed in the group all the way through April 30th of 2020. So that was 26 months. So Jake, what I'd love to ask, how were you benefited through this journey? What kind of benefit did you get from the Next Level Mastermind? And why did you end up staying for 26 months instead of just the 12?
1: I'd say it was my introduction to a mastermind. And up until that point, I had always heard the term mastermind and just didn't even know how to get involved in one or connect with anybody. Uh, Up until I joined the mastermind, I had never actually spoken to anybody else that had started an online business or started their own side gig or anything entrepreneurship related. So it was my my first introduction into, here's this group of highly qualified people, Cliff being the leader, we we can share insights, share what's working for each other, help each other on a one-on-one basis and grow our businesses together. Uh, So the biggest thing was the community, the network and all working together is that I could come every couple of weeks when it was my turn in the hot seat, I could come with a specific project that I was working on or a problem. Like I said, should I shut down any lounge? Which was my FBA product, Amazon FBA product. Uh, what do I do about the cease and desist? Like, what what am I thinking here? I'm I'm stressed out and thinking about shutting down this website. And I have a group of, I think at the time, like ten people were in the evening session of the next level of mastermind. And I had all of your voices behind me to support me and build me up and say, Hey, I've been through a similar experience of so this is what I'm thinking. Like if I was you, I'd be in this position and really just that, that guidance and help from all the voices that all had different experiences, but all on the same journey to leaving our day jobs. A lot of them had already left their day jobs and were, were full-time self-employed and, uh, some of the, the guys and girls from that mastermind are still some of my best friends, especially in the online business space that I'm still connected with and still talk to probably once a week just through Voxer or emails or connecting. All of them are featured in my books, in my podcasts, and my contents, which is people that I've met that I trust that are highly qualified to be in this group because that, that was the one of the beauties of the next level of mastermind is the pre-qualification of, okay, you're, you're paying money to be in this group, to get Cliff's coaching and Cliff's expertise and to join the group and you have to have a business, and it's got to be validated making money, or you've left your day job. So it's like, okay, these are qualified people that I trust their advice. Now, no, they're the type of people that if I bring a problem to, they're going to help me with with actual solutions rather than posting out on Facebook or Reddit and just hope that maybe a qualified person replies. But most of the time, it's somebody that doesn't have a business replying, telling you what to do with your business and, and not the same thing. So, yeah. uh, so, so that community of everybody with, with you and, and everybody in the mastermind, uh, really helped me take it at the next level. And I didn't meet the 12 months of, of leaving your day job, but I did it within 24 to 36 months after joining the mastermind. I did leave my day job and I started the entrepreneur ride along while I was in the group and I scaled up my business, got past the cease and desist, uh, scaled up all my other businesses and got to the point where I was ready to quit my day job.
0: And um, you were introduced to the prosperous coach method.
1: Yes. Which a great point. Like, yeah, all those little tactics and, and, programs and even just like software programs, technical things, uh, coaching programs that I never would have learned had I not been in the mastermind group. And I never would have learned how to coach and that would not have led to the entrepreneur right along where I am today. So I, I owe a lot to the next level of mastermind as to why I got to where I am today and the connections that I have and the support group that I have for being able to to quit my day job and do this full time now.
0: I'm honored to have been able to weekly participate in your journey for 26 months, more than two years and our lifelong friendship that's come as a result of it. So I thank you for that. I encourage everybody once again, go to the entrepreneur Check out Jake's offerings there. Get his book. Step one on Amazon. All the links to all of this stuff will be in the show notes And of course, if you would like to talk to me about the next level mastermind or one-on-one coaching, if you're not a business owner, just head over to mindsetanswerman.com or cliffravenscraft.com. It goes to the same place and click that work with me tab. And there's only two main things you're going to see there. And that is the next level mastermind and my one-on-one coaching. So I would love to hear from you. Jake, thank you so much. Any last words you want to say before we uh, end the recording here?
1: Hey, no, I'm just happy to have been here. I'm glad to catch up again. And it was
0: great. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Awesome. Thanks. Until next time, my friends, I encourage you to take everything you do to the next level.
1: Mindset and mind.
0: Man.